0: Consumer Cellular. When Freedom Calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single-line 5GB data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon May 2023. Werewolves. Shape-shifting creatures of the night with unusual speed, otherworldly strength, lightning-fast reflexes, incredibly heightened senses, monsters who can be a, a gentle, thoughtful human, You know, one moment and a feral, wild, bloodthirsty beast the next. Sometimes a dark creature associated with vampires and witches. Sometimes the uh, innocent victim of a terrible curse doomed to heed the call of the moon. Feast on human flesh. The werewolf has taken many forms throughout the years. And the best way to kill a werewolf? Shoot it with a silver bullet. I think we're all probably at least vaguely aware of werewolf folklore, aren't we? But do you know where the tale of the werewolf originates? It's a monster whose history is a a bit trickier than modern Dracula. You're about to find out why. turns out the tale of the wolf man comes from all over the damn place, but most of Europe. A lot of different European cultures have put their spin on tales of men who sometimes walked on two legs, sometimes ran on four. And, uh, And the cornucopia of werewolf mythology gives us a plethora of interesting stories to choose from today and whip up a mighty fine suck. So get ready to shed your human form, bear those fangs, and howl at the moon today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Yeah, happy Friday, Time Suckers. Happy end of the week, Meat Sacks. Always been a great week. Hope you're having a fantabulous weekend. i um, Dan Cummins, fourth leg of Bojangles, plaything of Lucifina, and you are listening to Time Suck. Welcome to the cult of the curious. Starting off with a little note about the bonus episodes. This is the last one I'm going to be doing until Friday, September 14th. And then that will be the last Friday episode until further notice and possibly the last uh, ever Friday bonus episode. Here's why. Here's why this is happening. Nothing bad. Uh, You guys have given me too much love. Gotten too into the suck. Uh, Now it's grown, created an extra workload far greater than when I started those bonus episodes, which I'm not complaining about. Overjoyed to have it. It means this is working. And I wanted to keep working. I feel I feel obligated to make the suck better and really keep it moving forward. And I just realized I can't do that if every third week, in addition to the Monday episode and that week's secret suck episode, I have to prep and record another Friday episode. And yes, I do have a lot of uh, you know research help now. But no matter how much help I get, I still have to spend many many hours adding my own research, uh, adding humor, announcements, etc. There's there's just no shortcut really to show creation. It just takes time. Uh, so much time I found myself unable on top of touring and other life responsibilities to kind of ever get ahead and take care of other responsibilities, you know, and uh, work responsibilities, be available to my kids, uh, wife, be a decent dad and husband, starting to feel a little guilty and uh, and just physically starting to feel a little uh, r- little rundown. And, and and outside of family life, I just need to take more time to work on other things in the suck world, time to, you know, more time to beta test so I can get these app updates out there faster. I'm usually the reason for the delay I need to be able to show up on Discord, show up on Facebook from time to time, be more active and planning the future. The suck, you know, be active in that message board when we actually get that out there. Uh, you know, curate it, make it better, help plan merch, be faster to respond with uh, just kind of everything. You know, problems that uh, that come up, help make the mythology of the show more robust and fun because this isn't just a side project. Now it's the main project. You know, my wife left her career for this. Joe Motherfucking Paisley, the Reverend Doctor, he walked away from radio for this. He's got kids. You know, as well, got to do this right. And uh, and I care about this community, truly. Care about this podcast. And I don't want to burn out and just kind of ruin the whole thing by just collapsing in on myself. Uh, it may sound crazy, but when I do a bonus suck every third week, it basically makes it impossible to get anything done other than episode prep for two out of three weeks. It's double workload week uh, of the bonus suck, you know, double the workload that week. Then exhaustion and uh, catching up on and, and life things I blew off while preparing the next week. Then one week of feeling like I'm kind of sane, and I can pay attention to the rest of what we're doing here, then right back into insanity with the prep. Out of stubbornness, I kept doing the Friday shows long after I probably should have stopped. Uh, I think I only got like three hours of sleep last night uh, prepping this week. Long after Lindsay, Harmony, many others told me just like, ease up. The Bidlixter guys are like, how the I mean, they're always saying like, how the fuck are you doing this? How do you keep putting all this stuff out? Uh, You know, stop running myself ragged. I just kind of got used to eating like shit, never working out, balancing everything else around, you know, research. And that's not that's not a good way to live. Uh, for the first time ever in my career, I, I actually felt exhausted and run down on stage in Dayton last week. I was like, just like literally felt sleepy. Even the even the adrenaline of stage is like, nah, nah, man, you got to rest. Uh, and I actually almost fell asleep in the green room, laid down in between shows and almost uh, crashed. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I slept for three hours, got on an early flight and got back to typing. And to quote Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, I'm too old for that shit. So letting go of the extra episode will allow me to be uh, more fresh with Monday episodes, translate into better episodes. So I'll be more rested and focused. Because I only get one chance to do each of these tales justice. And I do feel a responsibility now to to do my best on each one, really, as, as, as a storyteller. And uh, and I do feel a little guilty, you know, because I made a deal when the show started to release a bonus episode every Friday for every 100 reviews. But to be fair, to, when I started that deal, episodes were about a half hour, 45 minutes, not nearly as researched. They took probably 20% of the time to prep. And no merch, no secret suck, no social media. Like, we didn't even have any of the platforms, no app a website, uh, well, I guess we had a website, we did have that, that was the one thing we had, no employees, no no live shows, things have, uh, you know, they've just changed, in the best way, and I'd be a fool not to change a bit with them, so I hope you really enjoyed today's bonus suck, such a fun topic, uh, there will be another one, another bonus suck coming, and I hope you understand why I'm making this decision, focus has to be on making Mondays the best, make them continue to be a blast, really hope you continue to rate and review the suck whenever you can to spread the suck. Not because it's, it's going to keep giving you more bonus episodes, but because you fucking love it. Because you want others to find it and love it as well. So that's all uh, announcements I have for today. Love you, time suckers. Now let's uh, let's bring the fucking moon out. Let's go full werewolf. Praise Bojangles. And hail Lucifina. Bojangles is pumped for today's episode. Praise Bojangles. The one-eyed, three-legged, uh, you know, sometimes robotic leg-haven. Sometimes genetically modified, always communist-hating beast of time suck, has wolf blood in his veins. And maybe some werewolf blood as well. He won't, he won't tell me. Uh, when I asked him if he's a werewolf, he gave me a little laugh. You know, kind of like a knowing laugh. like, <laughs> You know, it kind of indicated, I, I felt like it indicated he knows some stuff uh, that I don't about werewolves. God knows what else. And then when I pressed him to tell me, uh, you know, he slapped me pretty fucking hard uh, across the suck dungeon. Threw me into a chair told me I could either get into this suck and do a good job, or he could take his foot and get into my ass. So uh, so now I sit here, and, I, and I'm watching his little tail wag as hard as I've ever seen it. Uh, if my other Bojangles is, Penny and Ginger could speak English, I think they would tell me this is their favorite episode. All right? hear me talk about kick-ass dogs that terrify humans, I'm, I'm pretty sure they dream about that every time I force them to be held like babies, which is very often, uh, and every time I put uh, clothes on them, which is also fairly often. So let's kick, let's kick start this suck with a brief overview of the development of werewolf lore with today's Time Suck Timeline. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a Time Suck Timeline. All right, 1550 BCE. What happened? With whom? Uh, King Lycaon of Arcadia serves human flesh to the god Zeus, you know, as you do when you're hosting a party, and uh, and is transformed into a wolf as punishment. That seems fair, I guess, in a, in a way. The term uh, lycanthrope is derived from this story. Uh, uh, 40, uh, 440 BCE, in histories of Herodotus, the Roman traveler Herodotus writes of the Nuri people who transform into wolves once a year. Uh, Herodotus, man, we just can't escape that. Roman historian slash anthropologist slash well-traveled son of a bitch. That old contemporary of Socrates just keeps coming up. It's come up in three straight sucks now. Maybe we need to suck him someday. So much sucks, so little time. Uh, man, the world is not short on stories, is it? Uh, 400 BZ, a victorious Olympic boxer by the name of Demartius, an Arcadian of uh, Parisia, is said to have transformed into a wolf at the Festival of Lycaea and then nine years later became a man again. Now, the Festival of Lycaea uh, involves human sacrifice to Zeus. A young boy was killed and then consumed by one of the participants. Okay. Uh, in this case by Demarchus, and as a result, Zeus would transform the cannibal into a wolf. So seems like kind of a weird fucked up celebration. Right? We're gonna honor Zeus by hey, uh hey Peter, get, Petey, get over here, buddy. We're gonna <laughs> kill it and eat you. And then Zeus can be like, no, that's not what I fucking wanted. I wanted him killed, but not eaten. Now you get to be a wolf. Uh who was writing this shit? According to the second-century Greek traveler uh, Paninius, the werewolf could once again live as a man provided he abstained from human flesh for nine years. If, however, the wolf tasted the flesh of a man uh, again, he would remain a beast forever. I I uh I like the random uh, speci- uh, specificity of uh spe- speci- specific spec if specific specific whatever that fucking word is. Uh, I like the random specificity. I don't even know how to say that word. Anyway, nine years, you know? Just uh Parnesius. what if a beast went eight long years without again tasting human flesh? Could it then take a man's shape? <laughs> no! Foolish Lenodinitus Acusicus. After a mere eight years the creature would remain a wolf for life. But were it strong enough to wait an additional year, it would indeed become man once more. Isn't that correct, Theolonicus Aranicus Sidonicus? Yes, Bassanius indeed. It is Zeus's will. Weird shit. 37 BCE, the Roman poet Virgil, Virgil uh, tells of the change of Morus to the form of a wolf by the use of herbs. Ate the wrong herbs, man. That's weird. Uh, man, don't want to don't wanna accidentally sprinkle some of that wolf herb on your salad. That's going to mess up your—that's going to give you heartburn. That's going to give you some indigestion, you know, so you make, make the little lemon and wolf herb chicken. The wolf, wolf-encrusted sea bass? What does this uh, herb do, uh, Virgil? Oh, that adds a mint-like flavor. Nice for teas, surprisingly good on poultry. Uh, and this? That is a hot pepper. Uh, great way to clear one's sinus when added to a soup or stew. Wonderful for a dreary day. Uh, and this one over here, Virgil, what, uh, what is it? Oh, careful with that. Uh, while it pairs wonderfully with red meat, it will also turn you into a wolf. So, you know. Uh, Really brings out the the natural flavor of a good steak, but also make you walk on all fours, uh, not be human, crave killing, eating various creatures, including your still human family, and uh, and praise for jangles. 60. C.E. uh, Satyricon, a satire written by a Roman writer, Petronius, contains a detailed account of a soldier who is a werewolf. The important Roman novel, kind of like a novel of sorts, written in prose and verse, centers around the life of uh, Encolpius. a retired famous gladiator who travels with Gitten, his sixteen-year-old handsome—this is not, this is what they say—his sixteen-year-old handsome sex slave, and also his former lover, a uh, Asaltus, Asaltus, an ex-gladiator and friend of Encolpius, who wants Gitten to be his sex slave. Seriously, I didn't—I didn't make up the plot. Uh, Gitten isn't technically—he isn't technically labeled a sex slave, quote unquote. But he is referred to as a slave of Encolpius, and Encolpius does have sex with him. So, kind of sex slave. Uh, by the way, Romans big fans were of anal, truly. Uh, they were really into uh, teen boy anal sex. I, I, it's referenced in a lot of various writings. What I wonder is, I was thinking about, like, what kind of lube were they using, right? And this is before, you know, they're having a lot of anal before there were surgeries to fix a tear and, like, you know, anal tissue before they, you know, they knew about anal Kegel exercises that you can you can do to strengthen your sphincter if it gets too loose and you start, you know, kind of going to the bathroom a little prematurely from from too much anal sex. If you're wondering how, how I know all this, it's because I had to pause my Roman werewolf research because the thought just popped in my head late last night. Where I'm like, how are they doing all this anal back then? Uh, you know, uh, they didn't have all the silicon-based lube and stuff. that's available now. Uh, <laughs> so I had to Google what kind of injuries can, can cause anal sex. According to WebMD, outside of an increased risk of STD transmission, uh, not as many injuries as I thought, actually, but anyway, to, you know, today, again, there's, there is a lot of lube and then I started thinking like, what did they use back then? Olive oil, saliva, fuck, I nailed it. After making those two guesses, I looked up what Romans used for lube. Yeah. Olive oil, saliva, kind of hilarious to me, right? Throwing a little olive oil on a salad and then throwing the rest on your lover's butthole. And uh, I guess tossing their salad. I've gotten way off track. I've gotten way off track from werewolves. Uh, be gone, Lusufina, Back in his timeline. Jumping ahead to 7, 970 CE. A Bulgarian prince who I don't know anything about his sex life named B- Bionis. I probably but- butchered that. This fucking Bulgarian name is ridiculous. Bionis is believed to uh, to be able to turn himself into a wolf through the arts of necromancy. I love that word. Necrom- He's a necromancer. He, he mastered the dark art of necromancy. He will conjure the dead. Uh, He was able, allegedly, to transform himself into a bird. Okay. Uh, As well as a wolf. Cool tricks. He's Some kind of ancient copperfield. Around the same time in the Viking Age, uh, Ulfhednar, uh, these guys were, the Ulfhednar would come in. uh, Sometimes uh, said to have taken on the ferocity of wolves, sometimes turning into wolves, according to Norse legends. The, uh, The Ulfhednar are described uh, in Odin, as Odin's special warrior sometimes. Uh, one historical account says, Odin's men went without their mail coats and were mad as hounds or wolves. Bit their shields, they slew men. But neither fire nor iron had effect upon them. This is called going berserk. Berserker mode. Remember that from Doom? Uh, berserker mode, man. I feel like we'll deep dive that in a proper Viking suck someday. Uh, 1020 CE, first use of the word werewolf, I think. I found that reference on numerous sites, numerous articles, but none of those sites ever cite the source they're referring to. That, that said, like when this was, like who wrote that? So it might just—they might all just be referencing each other. We're just one big circle jerk of nonsensical references. But a lot of websites do believe that 1020 CE is when the term werewolf is first used. 1101 CE. Now this, these names, good God. Uh, 1101 ce Veselov. It's it's V S E S L A V. Veselov of of. Of a pot, Palutsk, Palutsk uh, passed away, and who was he? Well, he ruled the Principality of Palutsk. The kingdom seems to have been centered around the B- Belarusian uh, town of Palutsk and included parts of northern and central Belarus and Latvia. Uh, Palutsk is uh, a city that is now in part of Belarus. Uh, yeah, uh, this this guy. This guy, Veselov, commissioned the building of the Cathedral of Holy Wisdom, one of the most treasured monuments in Belarus, and possibly the oldest church in Belarus. And uh, some 12th century old Slavic epic poem says uh, that the tale of Igor's campaign describes Veselov as, as some kind of body-hopping freak that could turn into a wolf, saying, Prince Veselov sat in judgment over his people, apportioned cities to the princes, but himself raced a wolf in the night, and by cockcrow reached from Kiev to whatever the fuck this word is, to, to, mat- to mat- rocan And as a wolf crossed the path of the great course, when they rang the bell in the church of St. Sophia for Matins, early in the morning of Podlask, he heard the ringing in Kiev. Though his cunning soul could pass into another body, yet he often suffered woe. All right. 1182 The Welsh historian Geraldus Cambrensis <sighs> wrote of Irish tales of werewolves such as one encounter with a traveling priest and the priest's young companion. One night, while camped in a wood, a Wolf approached the priest by his campfire, and to the consternation of the priest spoke the following words, Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not worry. There is nothing to fear. I I added the howl, I'm guessing, because he is a wolf. He's talking wolf right now. The wolf then went on to explain that he was a native of Ossery, and as a result of an ancient curse by Saint Natalus, Every seven years, a man and and woman were exiled, not only from Ossery, but also from their human form by transforming them into wolves or or being transformed, I guess. The wolf continued that is uh, talking about how his companion was nearby and gravely ill and in need of a priest to give her her last rites. The priest followed the wolf to a hollow tree where uh, there lay a second wolf crying and groaning with a human voice. The priest proceeded to give the last rites right up to the last communion. The she-wolf begged him to continue, but the priest said he didn't have the, the viaticum. Uh, with him at this point, the the first wolf reappeared, carrying a small bag with the priest's uh, consecrated hosts. It seemed that at this point, as the, as the priest was reluctant to continue, the wolf, uh, to remove all doubt, pulled the skin off the she-wolf with his paw, and then revealed the shape of a woman within. Okay, uh, the priest, through through more terror than reason, continued with the sacrament, and the wolf skin reformed over the woman's body. The wolf then shared their campfire that night. And the next day, showed the priest the surest way to the woods before thanking him and promising to reward him when he regained his human form. Uh, another version of legend says the curse was put on the uh, people of Austria by the Holy Patricius, Saint Patrick, green beer drinking Saint Patrick. Um, I love like who again? Like I always just think with some of these old stories, like who fuck wrote this? I guess it just made maybe maybe it didn't tr- doesn't translate right to modern English. Some of these stories are so ridiculous. And then and then he found a a, a, a wolf woman. I like found a wolf. Uh, a wolf in the in the trunk of a tree, and he and he pulled off the skin and said, "Hey, check this out." And there's a lady in there's a lady in the wolf skin, and she's but she's somehow able to move as a wolf, but also have the skin on her. There's a human that look, listen, forget it. And that and then a second wolf guy, like fucking. Just focus on the. There's two wolves. That's the important part. Two wolves cursed, people inside of them. I think. For, n- never mind. Just, it just feels like it's like still so like uh, just kind of cobbled together, these weird... Anyway, 12th century CE, the French romantic poem uh, Guillaume de Payerne is composed. Uh, Guillaume, maybe it's how you say it, a founding, uh, a fondling uh, supposed to be of low degree is brought up at the court of the emperor of Rome and loves the emper- emperor's daughter, Melior, who is destined for a Greek prince. The lovers flee into the woods disguised in bearskins. Alfonso, who is Guillaume's cousin and a Spanish prince has been changed into a wolf by his stepmother's enchantments. Fucking witch stepmother. I get it. He provides food and protection for the fugitives. Guillaume eventually triumphs over Alfonso's father, wins back from uh, uh, wins him back from his kingdom. The benevolent wolf is disenchanted and marries Guillaume's sister. Again, one of these stories, you're like, uh, what? Oh, okay, all right, I guess so. Uh, also in the 12th century, uh, Marie de France composes Bis Claverette, story of a werewolf who's trapped in lupine form by the treacherous wife. 1521, three men are put on trial. Okay, here we now we're getting cooking. Now we're getting to the uh, the kind of the witch trial portion of the timeline. Um, 1521, three men are put on trial for being werewolves in uh, uh, Poligny, France. Pierre Bouriot, uh, uh Michel Verdun, and uh, Philippe Mentot. Uh, they end up getting burned at the stake for being werewolves. In, uh, in 1541, see in uh, Pavia, Italy, a farmer in the form of a wolf. Is said to have torn many men in the open country to pieces. He's captured. He assures his captors that the only difference between himself and a natural wolf was that in 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 uh, is that uh, in a true wolf the hair grew outward, whilst in him it, it struck inward. Okay. In order to put this assertion to proof, the magistrates cut off his arms and legs, and he dies from the wounds. Oh man, uh, that is, that is crazy. That's a that's a tough test to give somebody. He thinks that he's exactly like a wolf, but his hair grows inside. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Cut off his legs and arms. How does, does that? Are you sure that's the best way? Could we not make a small cut in one of his... I said cut both his legs and arms off. Then we'll see if he has hair in there. Uh, in 1555 CE, uh, Olaf Magnuson records the strange behavior of Baltic werewolves. Now, he's a bishop. Bishop Olaf Magnuson, who signed his treaty, History of the Goths, Swedes, and Vandals, with his Latinized name named Olas Magnus, stated that the people living in Prussia, Lithuania, and Livonia often lost their livestock to bands of hungry wolves. But their losses caused by natural wolves were, wolves were nothing compared to what the werewolves caused. According to the bishop, large numbers of werewolves prowled the areas, attacking not only livestock but humans as well. The beasts infiltrated isolated farms, broke into people's homes. Ripped apart and devoured every living thing they came into contact with. He also declared that the Livonian werewolves were uh, initiated by draining a cup of specially prepared beer and then repeating a special incantation. Now that sounds like some awesome beer. I want to get I want to get werewolf drunk, right? Maybe maybe I will be soon. Uh, you know, for the hundredth episode, uh, getting the, the, we're doing the drunkest suck on the New Orleans axe man. Maybe I'll get werewolf drunk. Uh, it was said that the werewolf's favorite meeting area was an old ruined castle near Corland. A place that no one ever went near for fear of death. Even though this was the hangout area for the werewolves, it wasn't always safe even for them. According to reports and rumors, the stronger werewolves would instantly kill those weaker than themselves. Damn it, that'd be a bummer, man. You turn into a werewolf, you're stronger than you've ever been, you're out there just kicking ass, left and right, life is pretty good, and then you're partying it up back at the the Dark Castle... With other, other werewolves, and, you know, one of them goes all alpha and kills your ass. I guess it's maybe some kind of quality insurance or assurance. You know, i got to keep the werewolf brand strong. Old, old Bishop, uh, Bishop Olaf might not be the most reliable history source. Uh, no one else from this time and place recalls uh, any of this shit happening, at least from the records that we have today. I mean, you would think that others would notice many werewolves terrorizing the countryside uh, Olaf also thought that Scandinavians, uh, Scandinavian devils, came nightly to clean, to clean people's stables and feed animals. Uh, he thought the devils worked in the mines. He thought he thought that the residents ignored the devils amongst them for fear of uh, quote having their heads twisted backwards. All right, it's a very specific fear. Uh, it, uh, he thought that most sea captains were calling on devils for help navigating their ships because the devils had power to control elements, you know, the elements and create safe sailing weather. So many devils, man. Probably, you probably thought some villagers were praying to baking devils, you know, helping get their bread to rise, conjuring devils, helping them, you know, weed out weed their gardens, wipe their asses, old, the old, the old ass-wipe devils, getting devils to help clip their nasty medieval toenails, asking devils to help them build fences, not burn their breakfast eggs, maybe, maybe talk to a fruit devil, to help stave off a little bit of scurvy. So many devils. Mostly they probably prayed for devils to help, uh, you know, fight off all the damn werewolves that were apparently everywhere. The smartest villagers prayed for Bojangles. The one dog able to defeat a whole pack of werewolves. And then, in 1556, C.E. Bojangles showed the hell up. May 17th, 1556, Bojangles appears in the village square, his missing fourth leg replaced with a silver sword that he plunged into the hearts of those damn demon werewolves. Bojangles, soared through the air, twisting, slicing with the silver sword, taking the fight straight to the weird castle hangout that the werewolves would show up at like a bunch of sullen, angsty teenagers. Praise Bojangles, the villager screamed when he killed the last werewolf, the head wolf, the king lichen. Our one-eyed pit bull savior has slayed the terrible beasts. And then that night, Bojangles got drunk and celebrated and ended up making love to a beautiful village maiden who was on vacation there from Australia. For some reason, don't overthink about it. Don't think about it too hard. And that is how the Australian Labradoodle, ancestor of Penny and Ginger, God's finest creature, was created. And I'm back. I know, that was weird. But hey, you know what? It's a weird episode. Felt right. Felt right. 1573 CE. Uh, Zile Garnier, uh, I think I actually nailed that. A French uh, reclusive hermit was found guilty of being a werewolf and was burned at the stake, back to the stake burdens, back to the executions. He'd become known as the uh, werewolf of Dole. And uh, Gilles, oh, while well, maybe not a werewolf, does sound like he, he was a monstrous maniac, perhaps. Uh, several children went missing near the town of Dole. He lived outside of. One evening, a group of people from a neighboring town, looking for one of these kids, came across, you know, Zil, uh, standing over the body of a dead child, and he was arrested. According to his testimony at trial, while Gagnier was in the forest hunting one night, trying to find food for himself and his wife, a specter appeared to him. Ooh, a specter, offering to ease his troubles. Gave him an ointment. That would, <laughs> the, old, the old ghost gave him some ghost ointments that would allow him to change into the form of a wolf, making it easier to hunt. Because that's something that happens. You know, you're out there in the woods hunting, and you're like, fuck, if only a, a specter, if only an ointment-bringing specter would finally give me some of that hunting ointment. Uh, Garnier confessed to have stalked and murdered at least four children between the ages of 9 and 12. October 1572, his first victim was a 10-year-old girl whom he dragged into a vineyard outside of Dole, strangled her, removed her clothes, ate the flesh from her thighs and arms. Jesus Christ. When he had finished, he removed some flesh and took it home to his wife. Uh, weeks later, Garnier savagely attacked another girl, biting and clawing her, but was interrupted by a passerby and fled. She succumbed to her injuries a few days later. Uh, November, Garnier killed a 10-year-old boy, again cannibalizing him by eating from his thighs and belly, tearing off a leg for, for later. This is all according to you know, this, this trial. He strangled another boy, but, but it was interrupted for the second time her passed her by a group passerby. Had to abandon his prey before he could eat from it. 1572, he, he attacked uh, an unknown boy who was passing by, cut the boy in half, and then was. Uh, I mean, that, that seems extreme. It says, says, says uh, cut the boy in half by biting and tearing his belly. Ah, I doubt it. Uh, 1573, he strangled a girl, ate her flesh, and tore away her left leg and took his. It sounds crazy. Maybe werewolf. Definitely crazy, sadistic, disgusting piece of shit. If he did this, uh, I, I after all the the sucks we've done in medieval Europe, I question every trial. <laughs> it could have also just totally been a witch hunt. Um, Garnier was found guilty of crimes of lycanthropy, uh, which I always thought was like uh, lycanthropy, but apparently it's lycanthropy, according to many sources on the web and witchcraft, and burned at the stake on January 18th, 1573. Several other men also tried for being werewolves in France at the end of the 16th century, also burned at the stake. 1589, a man named Peter Stump. This is, oh man, this poor son of a bitch. Peter Stump, executed in Germany for being a werewolf. Uh, apparently they didn't, they didn't just infest France. Damn, damn dog people terrorizing Germany as well, snatching kids all over the place. Well, Peter was a German farmer accused of werewolfery, <laughs> witchcraft, and cannibalism. I like how they add the witchcraft. Not only is he a wolf, werewolf, he's also witch. He's a witch werewolf. He's a lot of W words. After being stretched on a rack and before further torture commenced, he confessed to having practiced black magic since he was 12 years old, which sounds like the kind of thing one confesses to when you're being stretched on the rack. There is a reason uh, testimony is not allowed anymore in court, at least in this country, when it's given under duress. And I'm guessing you're under a lot of fucking duress when you are stretched on a rack. Never had the pleasure or horror of being stretched on a rack. Hope that doesn't happen to me. But from what I've seen on the web, ah, it doesn't look fun. Peter claimed that the devil had given him a magical belt <laughs> or girdle, uh, which enabled him to metamorph- uh, metamorphosis, like into the into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire. A mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth. A huge body and mighty paws. Okay. Uh, removing the belt, he said, made him transform back to his human form. No belt was ever found after his arrest. Well, of course not. It's almost as if, uh, you know, whoever was torturing him, you know, uh, he was just telling that person whatever he thought would make the torture stop. And it was a bunch of crazy talk. And how did he take the belt off by the way, once he was a wolf, how does the belt stay on when you're a wolf? Is the belt holding up some kind of wolf capri pants? Are you wearing, are you wearing clothes as a wolf? So many questions. Man, think about think about these those medieval court jackasses. They're documenting all this as if it's really stuff that's happened. Just as I suspected. Just as I suspected. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has a magic wolf belt. Mm-hmm. Gunther, that's what I told you. Remember yesterday I told you. The, the, I bet he has a wolf belt. I was just about to ask him where he was hiding his magic wolf belt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Go on. Torture him to death now. Uh, it all makes sense. We, we found the answers we're looking for. Let's, let's go grab some mead. Fucking idiots. For 25 years, Stump had allegedly been an insatiable bloodsucker who gorged on the flesh of goats, lambs, sheep, well his men, women, and children, uh, being threatened with more torture, he confessed to killing and eating 14 children, two pregnant women, whose fetuses he ripped from their wombs and ate their hearts, hot and raw, which he'd later described as dainty morsels. One of the 14 children was his own son, whose brain he reported to have devoured. He's just fucking, he's talking crazy talk now. Maybe he knows they're just going to kill him anyway, so he, he figures, ah, fuck it. Let's make it interesting. Or maybe he's truly mentally ill, and he, and he thinks that he did these things. Or maybe the, the pain of excruciating torture has shattered his psyche. That's, that's where I'm putting my money. Uh, not only was Stump accused of being a serial murderer and cannibal, uh, he was also accused of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter. They just kept piling on the charges. Uh, and then because of the incest, they send her to die, right? And then they accuse him of se- sexing up another distant relative and sends her to die as well. How fucked up is that? Your father molested you. Is that true? Yes, it is. Okay. All right, then. Well, she, she admitted it. Put her on the rack as well. <laughs> Man, not only victim shaming, victim execution. Uh, Peter also confessed to having had intercourse with a succubus sent to him by the devil. Dude, he was just fucking everything. Uh, The execution of Stump, August 31st, 1589, yeah, Halloween execution, top it off, probably was a full moon too, Uh, and then the execution of his daughter and mistress, one of the most brutal on record. Uh, Peter was put to the wheel where, quote, quote, flesh was torn from his body in 10 places with red hot pinchers followed by his arms and legs. But God, man, Uh, the wheel uh, was typically a large wooden spoked wheel. Kind of same, same as just like a wheel used on like a transport cart or a carriage, Uh, often had like an iron rim around it, this big, like heavy wheel. The executioner would drop the execution wheel on the, on the shin bones of the convicted person. There was a variety of ways they would do this, but usually they would, they would just roll this big, heavy wheel across their bones and just kind of mash up their bones, just crush them, slowly roll it over other parts of the person, you know, working his way up to the arms. And then, and then, if the mangled victim was still alive, they would be kind of woven into the spokes of of the wheel. Uh, You know, because their bones are all broken, they would just bend their broken bones around the spokes and just kind of like, uh, yeah, just weave them into the wheel. Or if that didn't hold them, they would tie them to the wheel, or a combination of the two. And then the wheel would would be erected on a mast or pole. You know, kind of uh, uh, displayed like a crucifixion. And then, you know, if the executioner uh, wanted, they could also decapitate the convicted, you know. Uh, uh, His daughter and mistress, they were flayed and strangled and then burned. As a warning against similar behavior, local authorities erected a pole with the torture wheel. So they put the big torture, you know, wheel like a crucifixion display on a big pole, uh, put a figure of a wolf on it. And in the very top, they placed his head, his severed head. So maybe in hindsight, he should have worked harder to deny the charges against him. Uh, it turns out confessing to all the nonsense he confessed to made things much worse, much worse for him, uh, and for those around him. And, and that is, ah, it is unfucking real to me, no matter how many times I read about it, how far they took torture back then. I mean, (laughs) Jesus, I guess, you know, I get worked up, you know, about like sex offenders and stuff and talk about, you know, wanting to execute them. But even in my anger is like that, it just seems so excessive, right? We're going to stretch them on the rack. Then we're, gonna, then we're gonna pinch him with a bunch of hot metal. We're gonna just rip off little pieces of flesh. We're gonna weave him into a wheel. We're gonna put his body up in the Then we're gonna cut his head off and we're gonna stick the head on top and just leave it out there. And just, it's just, it's so, so over the top. My God. Okay. Throughout the rest of the 16th and 17th centuries, dozens of others are tried and executed throughout Europe for being werewolves. Uh, from 1764 to uh, 1767 CE, this is an interesting tale. The beasts of uh, now, I, now, I listen to this so many times. let see if it stuck. The beast of Zouvedon terrorizes the former provinces. Uh, the former province, excuse me, of Zouvedon in, in south central France, over a hundred victims. And this story is, tra- is, is so strange; it could probably be a suck into itself because the killings are actually extensively documented. Historians do not question that something, some beast, killed over a hundred people. Uh, they they just disagree, you know, over what beast it was that killed those people. Now, the first recorded sighting, 1764, when a young woman tending cattle near the town of Langonia uh, was approached by the beast of Zilvedon. Luckily for her, the bulls she was tending to were able to drive off the beast twice. She remained unharmed. The victim of the next sighting, not so lucky, shortly later uh, that same year, teenager named Jean Boulet reportedly attacked and killed by the beast. And then, yeah, and then like over 100 deaths. Uh, most, most of the victims, you know, have their throats or chests ripped out. Something with sharp teeth and claws. News of a murderous monster grabs the public's attention. Of course it does. The press reports extensively on the attacks, describing the beast as a wolf-like creature with uh, black fur uh, or russet and black fur, a wide chest, huge mouth, sharp teeth. At first, local officials led by infantry leader Jean-Baptiste Duham, uh, they organized a group of 30,000 volunteers to you know comb the, the, the countryside, hunt and kill this beast, offer a reward equal to a year's salary, for most of the population of the town to whoever is able to successfully kill it. But the attacks don't stop. They, they don't find it. The problem gets so bad, it attracts the attention of the king. King Louis XV sent two professional wolf hunters, Jean-Charles-Marc and Antoine uh, Vassumier de Envel, uh, and his son Jean-Francois, uh, to Gauvedon to kill the beast. They spent four months hunting were- wolves, uh, but the mountainous terrain is difficult to navigate, and they and they're unsuccessful. Uh, the king removes them from town, instead sends his own bodyguard, François Antoine, uh, to hunt the beast. Antoine and his team of men are, are su- successfully able to shoot and kill a wolf that was 31 inches tall at the shoulder, uh, 5 feet 7 inches long. They received the reward from King Louis. For a short time, the terror seems to have ceased, but then the relief doesn't last. A few months later, the attacks start up again. Each description of the beast becomes more and more fantastical. People are getting hysterical. Some sightings claim the beast of Jovedon, uh had supernatural abilities walk on his hind legs it was actually part wolf part man mass hysteria grows no more helps coming from Louis the 15th uh, the locals band together to try and solve the problem once and for all and uh, according to legend a local farmer named Jean Chase uh, was serving time in prison and then released to begin uh, or to help you know hunt hunt the beast doesn't say why this guy specifically was released I wish I wish it did uh, I just wonder why like he, he must have had a badass reputation just a badass dude badass hunter you know just no one can kill the beast no there is one man there is Jean Wolfslayer Chase we cannot he is in prison for killing a man with one punch we must release him Jean Chase is our only hope you know like this fucking guy there's just legends about him legend has it that Jean uh, shot and killed a huge wolf and uh and is credited with finally ending the killings once and for all uh, by some accounts the stomach of the beast was in stomach of the beast excuse me was then opened up and human remains were found inside, you know, proving that, that he finally killed the real monster. Uh, although the attacks reportedly stopped, no consensus was ever reached on, on what the beast actually was. The debate continues even today. Scholars and historians debate if the beast was uh, indeed some kind of rabid wolf, uh, a pack of wild wolves, you know, combined with mass hysteria and rumors. A young lion, uh, maybe escaped, you know, uh, some noble and fucking brought a lion or uh, for whatever had his own private zoo or something and got loose. Who knows? Or a murderous werewolf terrorized the countryside for several years, or, or that happened. Werewolf hysteria was so great in France that in some of the earliest known versions of Little Red Riding Hood, the wolf that eats the little girls is actually referred to as a werewolf. Uh, in 1824, 30-year-old Frenchman by the name of Antoine Leger lost his shit. The former soldier, probably mentally ill, journeyed into the woods to live off the land and be a hermit, which is what you do when you've lost your mind. Uh, he actually started sleeping in a cave, Uh, By 1824, months of solitude and malnutrition left him just stark raving mad, and he snatches a little girl from the woods near his cave, drags her into the cave, kills her with his bare hands, then drinks her blood and eats some of her flesh. A search party finds the remains of her body, finds him. He's tried for murder. He's sentenced to death for crimes associated with lycanthropy, which was still an actual crime in France, like it was on the books. You could actually be found guilty of being a werewolf, which which really shows what their cultural attitudes towards werewolves were. After his execution, his brain is examined by doctors, and the autopsy reveals signs of an unknown brain disorder marked by, quote, extreme deterioration of neural tissue. So maybe werewolf or maybe very brain damaged. Uh, In 1852, traveling vendor uh, Manuel Blanco Rosamanta confesses to the murders of 13 people and become Spain's first documented serial killer. He eluded capital punishment by professing that he was a werewolf. Although this defense was rejected at trial, Queen Isabella II commuted his death sentence to allow doctors to investigate his claim uh, and, and you know, study him as an example of clinical uh, lycanthropy. This dude deserves his own suck, man. Worth mentioning here, though, because uh, you know he got out of his death sentence by claiming to be a werewolf. And then there's a rumor that he died in prison when a guard shot him because the guard was hoping to see him transform into a wolf. So maybe he wasn't a werewolf, you know, if uh, he couldn't survive that or transform, whatever. 1865, prolific author Reverend Sabine Baring-Gould publishes the Book of Werewolves. It is still considered one of the leading books on werewolf history. And it is uh, in this book that the werewolf is first associated with transforming under a full moon. Yeah. I know, I keep doing it. Uh, In 1933, British occult writer, clergyman, Montague Summers, publishes The Werewolf. Uh, He he also wrote a bunch of stuff on vampires and witch hunting. Here's some excerpts uh, from this book, which has been reprinted uh, and is even available on Amazon Kindle. Uh, Precisely to define the werewolf is perhaps not altogether easy. We may, uh, however, say that a werewolf is a human being, man, woman, or child, more often the first who either voluntarily or involuntarily changes or is metamorphosed, metamorphosed into the apparent shape of a wolf and who is then possessed of all the characteristics, the foul appetites, ferocity, cunning, the brute strength and swiftness of that animal. And here's some fun stuff about all the other human-animal hybrids that are out there. This this made me very happy. Remember, like when I was teasing the episode last week, I was like, what about like were-rabbits? What about like, you know, were-tigers? Well, mm, turns out uh, those are things, apparently in, in a lot of uh, folklore. He says, uh, "In Martin Greece, the transformation into a boar, the were boar, is believed. The Valachians dread the were dog. In the Egyptian Sudan, the wizards are credit. <laughs> love he says the wizards are credited with the power of becoming hyenas at will. Throughout the vast continent, man metamorphoses himself into many other animals: the leopard, the jaguar, the lion, the elephant. That's fucking. That's a cool trick. The were elephant, uh, the crocodile, the alligator, and even to fish such as the shark." Throughout India, uh, but more particularly in the northern Himalayan districts, there will were wear tiger prowls in Java, Borneo, the Malay states. There will were wear leopards to boot. Okay, actually says that. For, and, and to boot, wear leopards. The wear tiger is also known in China and Japan. But wear, but here the wear fox is both feared and honored. The wear badger and wear dog are also sorcerers. Sometimes they may be friendly sorcerers in animal shape. Uh, I love how many animals he's talking about here. Sounds like pretty much anything is up for grabs, you know? And then, of course, there is the were-squirrel. And even more fierce, the were-mouse. Oh, the were-mouse may appear small in size, and it is, but it is giant in ferociousness. It can roar as loud as a were-raccoon. The were And is faster than a were-roadrunner. No mousetrap can kill it. The only way is to stomp it with a silver boot. Or hit it with a silver hammer. Or thump it with a silver spoon or poke it with a silver thimble or, well, you get the idea. Just something silver you have to kind of smoosh it with. Uh, 1941, the film The Wolfman starring Lon Chaney Jr. is released. Uh, Even if you don't think you've heard of this film, uh, maybe you haven't, I bet you have seen the image of him dressed up as a werewolf. Man, if you do a Google image search for this uh, film, pictures of Lon Chaney in makeup show up and and his, his werewolf look pretty iconic. Uh, this is the film that introduces the concept uh, of the werewolves to, the, to modern America, um, especially, you know, the, the werewolf being associated with the moon uh, as far as its transformation goes. Throughout the film, various villagers keep reciting this poem whenever the subject of werewolves comes up. And they'll say in it, uh, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. And for whatever reason, movie watchers assume those lines were taken from a real ancient poem. No. Uh, screenwriter, uh, Kurt Sjadmak, he made that shit up. Uh, the film was popular enough to warrant four sequels, the first being Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, 1943, and that is the film that introduces the concept of the full moon causing the wolf's transformation to American audiences. Uh, the characters specifically talk about it, and, and in this sequel, the, the poem changes slightly to, when the moon is full and bright. Uh, 1948, Austrian historian Robert Eisler publishes *Man and Wolf*, an anthropological interpretation of sadism, masochism, and lycanthropy. In it, he asserts that humanity evolved. Uh, excuse me, that humanity evolved from two two groups of apes: one peaceful, vegetarian, practicing free love, fucking hippie apes, uh, wearing tie dyed shirts, wearing fucking sandals too long, right? Always fucking have dressed up in a lot of patchouli. Um, The other violent carnivorous given to fighting over sex partners, you know, those bros, bro apes, you know, frat apes, Uh, originally all were of the former group. However, Eisler argues that Ice Age food shortages caused some to imitate wolves, other beasts of prey, wearing animal skins, taking up hunting. He claims this is a historical basis of the werewolf legends found in many cultures, and I... Eh, I, I, don't know, I don't know how many people agree with that, but that's uh, that was his theory that got people thinking about werewolves uh, and, and why we think about werewolves. In 1981, the film An American Werewolf in London is released, includes the first four-footed werewolf on screen. It's a box office hit, becomes an instant cult classic, and uh, is one of three werewolf uh, films released in 1981, the other two being The Howling and Wolfen. And, uh, you know, our editor Jesse Dobner tells me The Howling is great and that The Wolfen is terrible. On December 2nd, 1983, arguably the most iconic music video of all time is released: Michael Jackson's "Thriller." That's a thriller, thriller night. Uh, I haven't heard that song in years, but I can, I can feel it. I can feel it in my heart. A full moon turns Michael Jackson into a werewolf early in the video. Actually, more like a werecat, cat If you're gonna fucking nerd out, but, you know, a were animal for sure. Werewolf-ish at the very least. Uh, also in '83, horror. King, Stephen King, publishes Cycle of the Werewolf. 1985, the box office hit Teen Wolf, starring Michael J. Fox. As a teenage werewolf hits theaters, it is quickly universally accepted by critics as the greatest movie of all time. That is about a high schooler who uses newfound werewolf powers to suddenly become really good at high school basketball. Out of those movies, out of that specific genre, the best. Uh, 2003. The first of five extremely popular underworld movies is released, pitting vampires against the lichens, werewolves, and more importantly, giving Kate Beckinsale an excuse to parade around in a very tight outfit—maybe some kind of latex. Pretty damn awesome. Hey, Lusitina, and uh, and I can go on and on with pop culture, but you know, I, I think you kind of uh, you know uh, get get it now. I think we've uh, done enough to establish the prevalence and evolution of werewolf lore. So let's hop on out. Of this time-stuck timeline. Good job, soldier. You made it back, barely. So now that we have the overview of examples of werewolf, you know, kind of folklore, let's dig in deeper to various aspects of it. Uh, But first, let's talk about something we know for sure is real: the quality and kick-assery of Lisa mattresses. Yes. Today's bonus Werewolves Time Suck is brought to you by Lisa. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevents burnouts, makes better decisions, uh, you know, improve your memory. Overall, you make fewer mistakes. That's not marketing, it's science. Oh, man, that sounds so good right now. I personally can't wait to start getting a little more sleep on my Lisa mattress. I just want to stay there for several days in a row. Uh, To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience, hundreds of hours testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 they sell. That's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to leave the world better than they found it, and that doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Foundation, Lisa plants one tree for every mattress they sell and are committed to planting a million trees by 2025. And when you buy a Lisa mattress, not only are you supporting all that, you're also supporting TimeSuck. Win, win, win. Uh, I love laying on my Lisa, man. I love uh, I love whatever design magic they use to, to not get too hot when you sleep. You know, I, I want to be cozy under the blankets, but I don't want to wake up in a stew of my own sweat. And and my wife, Lindsay, the queen of the suck, uh, also, also does not want to wake up in a stew of my sweat. She does not care for my nighttime sweatiness. <laughs> and somehow, uh, you know, the Lisa mattress cures that. Somehow it breathes enough to kind of let the air circulate, I guess, enough uh, underneath you. Like, like you, you can still stay warm, but not sweaty. I love it. So get your Lisa mattress, start loving it yourself. Uh, don't miss these summer savings. Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com, dot com slash timesuck. That's lisa.com slash timesuck, $160 off. Lisa, a better place to sleep. Link in today's episode description. Okay, so why wolves? Why? Why is that animal? The predominant animal associated with shape-shifting in Western culture. Well, the answer may lie in some cave paintings discovered in southern France's uh, Lascaux Cave in 1987. The drawings suggest that not only did early man domesticate wolves into the dogs we know today, uh, but uh, uh, they possibly uh, fornicated with him as well. Yes, some of the drawings are, you know, uh, explicit. Hard hard to uh, avoid, you know, interpreting in a certain way. They, they seem to clearly depict uh, to depict intercourse, and, and some radical French anthropologists think that fornication with wolves uh, may have gone on, you know, with our ancestors for years, as in centuries, uh, which makes sense, I guess, on some level. Like, the wolves, you know, they're about the same size as early man. The anatomy lines up pretty well. Uh, they did provide companionship in a harsh, unforgiving world, and, you know, with companionship, sometimes lines can get blurred. So... Buried deep in our psyche, I guess, maybe a carnal desire for wolves, for dogs. Uh, The anthropologist Jean Poulet and uh, Catherine Voulot say uh, this may partly explain why we love dogs. And then, you know, when when you add the cultural taboo of sex with animals to the feeling of love you have for dogs, it it creates anxiety over what, you know, could result from that unnatural union. You know, like uh, if if, if a procreation happened, a monster, some half-human, half-dog abomination of a child pup, whatever you want, a, a werewolf you know, wolf baby thing—the existence of the werewolf represents one of our worst psychological fears. That's fucking messed up, man. But also sounds kind of legit, doesn't it? I mean, I, I just made all that up, but I hope some of you believed it. I put some work into that cave dog sex tale, right? Come, come on, sounded kind of legit. I'm especially proud of that one. I imagine a lot of you, uh, you know, for the <laughs> for the past minute. Just letting your minds wander to some uncomfortable places, you know, where you're like, I guess having sex with a dog, it doesn't seem that unreasonable. I mean, they are fucking, they're cute, and they are cuddly, and you know, if everyone's having fun, you know, well, I guess what's the real harm? Praise jangles. Oh! oh! That was fun. That was good. That, was, that felt good. Uh, but seriously, why wolves? Please tell me some of you fell for that. Why wolves? Well, throughout the Western uh, world's recorded history, there has been a fascination with wolves, maybe because... You know, they're an apex predator, maybe because they're uh, intelligent and work in groups to capture their prey, similar to ancient man. Perhaps it is because they were so similar to the beloved dog, you know, it may harken back to a time where, where people live much more remotely, dependent on the raising of livestock for survival. A wolf attacking farm animals could mean life or death for farmers. You know, humans, especially Europeans, they have a long, long history battling with wolves. Uh, and the European wolf, you know, uh, may be considered as the, as the sole survivor of a group of Ferocious beasts of prey, such as, like, the cave bear, the cave hyena, you know, other fierce enemies, of prehistoric man, they've terrorized humankind for a long time. And and, and they're still uh, a a real threat, uh, you know, or or they still were a real threat to people on a semi-regular basis, you know, not that long ago. Like, uh, in 1875, 161 people fell victims to wolves in Russia. That's a lot of people that wolves got. 1873, I guess, uh, the damage to cattle in Russia was estimated at 7.5 million rubles. Uh, the wolf is ever present in, in, Christian lore, you know, in Christianity, it's always seen as a monster. Like, like there's three examples, uh, from the, from the book of Matthews in the Bible. Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Beware of false prophets who come to you in the clothing of sheep, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Um, you know what? They listed three in this article, but I can just tell like, why well, no, actually, I guess the, it's the same sentence. But that one, I think it was actually a different biblical quote. Uh, Every part of Europe has folklore that involve werewolves, not just the ones covered in the timeline. Uh, Like Estonia had some interesting stuff. Dozens of people were accused of supernatural crimes in a series of witch and werewolf tricks, 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 trials that took place in 17th century Estonia. One 18-year-old named Hans convicted of both lycanthropy and witchcraft. Now he's double up on those. Though he denied making a pact with the devil, Hans admitted that he had been a werewolf for two years. Uh, that he, he, said he'd become one after one of the beasts, uh, bit him. He was bit by a man dressed in black, who was of course also a werewolf himself. And then the court decided that Hans must've made a deal with the devil, which made him guilty of witchcraft. And he was put to death. Son of a bitch. Tough break for Hans. You know, he tried to play the, yes, I am a werewolf, but not a devil werewolf. And they were like, but you do admit to being a werewolf. He was like, uh, yeah, oh, yes, I, I am a werewolf. And then like, well, then he must be a devil werewolf because that's the only kind of fucking werewolf. Burn him with a stake. Ah, oh, man, they got him. Uh, in Dutch folklore, all, all werewolves are witches. Yeah, I mean, they are constantly intertwined with witches. In medieval Dutch culture, the word werewolf was a synonym for just a male witch or a shapeshifter. Uh, both men and women changed themselves into animals, but only men, for some reason, showed themselves in wolf or dog form. I mean, that's, uh, maybe that's why men are sometimes still referred to as dogs. Uh, human wolf. Sometimes gave away their secret identity through appearance a bristly unibrow <laughs> and hair growth on their palms. Hairy palms. Man, if you really do have hairy palms, you probably are a werewolf. Uh, you, got, you you at least have some werewolf DNA. Is that a thing? Hairy palms? I looked it up online and all the pictures of hairy palms seemed badly Photoshopped. Like if you really do have hairy palms, I don't know, you know, I don't want to be too judgy, but maybe, maybe save up your Christmas money you know, and each year until you get enough for some laser hair removal. Maybe prioritize that. In the meantime, definitely prioritize waxing your palms once a week. At least shave them. At least narrow it up a couple times a week. Something. Shaking a hairy palm. No one should have to do that. Uh, transformation in Dutch culture supposedly would take place when a man would trade his soul to the devil for ointment or a piece of clothing, usually a belt, which does sound like a terrible deal if you stop there. You know, do you sell your soul for a belt? How fucking dumb are you? How low is your self-esteem? Oh, oh, it's a werewolf belt. No, yeah, again, this belt, like the story we talked about earlier, gave you know, the man the ability to transform into a wolf. Uh, alternately, uh, male witches uh, used wolf skin to merge into animal form, uh, and if one were to burn their magical garment, their reign of, as a werewolf would end. You know, So werewolves, I guess, would b- become very protective of their magical garments. You know, You don't get to borrow the werewolf magic belt. Uh, Additional Dutch folklore said that uh, wolves could control other animals in their sleep. Which doesn't sound like an effective, you know, uh, technique. Like, why do you have to be asleep to do it? Oh, man, I'm going to send a whole bunch of critters your way. They're going to fuck you up. They're going to get you as soon as I can get some sleep. That's when it's coming. Uh, During a series of witch trials between 1591 and 1595, several people were charged with witchcraft in the Netherlands. Resulting in the execution of four people, suicide in prison of a woman, and the escape of another man. Uh, this is a crazy uh family tale, this poor family man. Just the sh- again, the shit that happened to people back in medieval Europe. Folkert Dirks uh was accused of sorcery with his daughter Hendrike and his sons Hessel, Elbert, G- Gilsbert, and Dirk. Uh the thirteen year old Elbert uh claimed that he, his fathers and siblings could also uh could also sometimes turn into wolves or cats <laughs> by command of Satan. And that they had also seen other people who did this and gathered with them to dance with the devil, quote unquote, dance with the devil and kill other animals. Upon his testimony, his father was tortured to confess that he had been made a werewolf by Satan himself and attacked cattle with his children in this shape. His daughter soon confessed to have attended witches, Sabbaths in the shape of a wolf. Falkert, Hendrika, uh, two other locals, uh, Anton- Antonis and Maria uh, were named as belonging to their werewolf pack. And then all four of them were executed for for witchcraft. And then the sons, the younger Dirks, were spared because their age, and they were just you know whipped a bunch. Uh, sound familiar? This is this is some Salem witch trial shit right here. Man, people badgered into giving false confessions and then making false accusations against their neighbors. That was terrible. Because like they'd torch these people and tell us where the other werewolves are. And they'd be like, I'm not a werewolf. There's no other werewolves. And then they'd stretch them on some horrible device, you know, and their bones are cracked. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And then they would just, like, throw someone into the bus. It's uh, it's Henrietta. He, yes, she was the one who got me into it. And then these fuckers just show up at some other poor villager's cabin. They're like, ah, we got you, Henrietta. Come on. Nope, uh-uh. Hendrik and Dirk and Volker you know, they fucking said that you have been wolfing it up. And so now you get to get on the wheel. Oh. Uh, the Vikings included werewolves in their mythology. The saga of the Volsungs tells the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. That's a sweet-ass pelt, man. Father-son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, went on killing in a rampage in the forest. Man, I wish I had one of those pelts. That'd be a sweet. That's a fun—that's an interesting vacation. You know, you take 10 days off work, you fucking throw your wolf pelt on. Go out in the woods. Go feral. Uh, in American Indian culture, wolves were considered important, even to be godlike, but but not actual werewolves. There were the skinwalkers in some American Indian folk, but it's not quite the same, really, as a werewolf. Uh, uh, true North American legends pertaining to werewolves were, were brought over by European conquerors, who noticed a large population of wolves in America, and then their superstitions mixed in with the, you know, the folklore of the locals, and then you know more American werewolf legends are born. Uh, randomly, the number of werewolf sightings in the U.S. is, is highest in one state, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, man, werewolf country. Wisconsin boasts well over 200 werewolf sightings. Maybe maybe those wolves want that sweet cheese. Man, maybe that's what they want. Maybe they got, you know, they got those powerful sniffers on them. They sniff out that sweet Wisconsin cheese. Sightings date back as far as 1936 when a hairy 6-foot creature with a wolf-like face and an odor of decaying meat was spotted digging in an American Indian burial ground, of course it was, near Jefferson, Wisconsin. Uh, Since then, Wisconsin's continuously ranked highest in firsthand werewolf reports and encounters. Uh, Wisconsin encounters some of the country's most famous werewolf sightings, such as the infamous Beast of Bray Road, which dates back to 1932. Let's talk about this son of a bitch for a second. A a hairy humanoid with canine features, the Beast of Bray Road, first sighting Wisconsin dating back to the 30s on a rural road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. More recent sightings in the 1980s and 1990s have taken place. Uh, placing this creature in the Racine, Walworth, Jefferson counties. Those who have uh, seen the beast describe him as, as uh, usually eating or hunting, scavenging. Also known as a man wolf, bear wolf, the indigenous dog man. He's said to be about six feet tall, gray and brown fur. Face resembles that of a wolf, shiny yellow eyes, pointed ears. Body, though, is uh, like a furry, muscular man. Uh, the creature is said to run and walk on all four of its legs uh, sometimes, sometimes just his hind legs. It's been spied sitting on his haunches, kneeling like a man. Uh, some people, again, think it's a werewolf. Other think it's Bigfoot. Some think it's some other I- unidentified species. It's never attacked anybody. Someone has to do claim, though, that it's acted aggressively, running at them, jumping on their vehicles and giving them the middle finger. Get the fuck out. I'm trying to eat my skunk or whatever. It makes me stink. Um, no, but uh, of course, you know, uh, not one good pick, which to me is unacceptable. Like if a monster jumps on your car, the first thing you don't do is try to save yourself. All right. Think about the rest of us. Take a picture. Take a picture on your phone, several of them, and then take some video and then save your life. Then try to escape, you know? But come on, those pictures are more important than your life. Wake up. You know, it's probably not going to smash your phone. Even if it gets you, we get to have your phone. That's important. Uh, in Canada, there's the uh, the legend of the Lugaru, the French word uh, Lugaru, uh, Lugaru, uh, translates to werewolf, but in French Canada, it denotes a very specific kind of werewolf. It is French for werejangles. One eye, three legs, half pitbull, half wolf. The dark, monstrous version of Bojangles. The venom to his Spider-Man, which I know doesn't really work as an analogy, you comic book nerds, but you get what I'm driving at. The werejangles is Bojangles without a heart. Bojangles with bigger fangs, bigger claws, an unquenchable thirst for human blood. Bad werejangles. Bad werejangles. Now in French uh, Canada, the the, uh, Lugaru, lugaru? is the unfortunate soul who failed to complete his religious duties in time for Easter, not once, but seven years in a row. It's very specific. You're going to pay, buddy. God's pissed. You, you messed up your religious stuff for seven years. Now you get to be a wolf person. Uh, being being turned into a, a lugaru may also be punishment. I love this. May also be punishment for the crimes of either. Check this out. Making a pact with the devil. That's one way you get in trouble. Or the other way you get in trouble is, quote, For planting potatoes on a Sunday, I shit you not. Uh, what? Making a pact with the devil or planting some taters on Sunday. How did those two crimes have the same punishment? Are you kidding me? There are two and only two crimes that get you sent to the electric chair around here. Murdering more than five people or... Planting a tater on the Lord's Day. We don't like it. How dare you plant taters on Sunday? Carrots? That's fine. Yeah. Obviously, planting carrots does not bother God. Green beans? Of course. Of course that's acceptable. But taters? You disgusting heathen fuck. Uh, despite the name, uh, Logaru, uh, it doesn't have to be a wolf. It can take the form of a pig, cat, calf, ox, or other animal. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe a kitten. We're a kitten. So cute, so terrifying at the same time. It paralyzes victims' minds. The brain cannot process so much horror and adorableness at one moment. Uh, most of the other werewolf uh, rules apply to this monster. Uh, he, he takes on his animal form only at night and goes around trying to uh, eat people. If a uh, uh, Logaru attacks you, you're, you're supposed to throw rocks at it, okay? Uh, or stab it with a knife. If you can manage to draw blood, the curse will be broken and the monster will revert to its human form. I like specifically rocks. Should we shoot it? No, no, no. Now just uh, throw some rocks at it. Hope that you, you know, pierce its flesh. Afterwards, neither side can talk about it, or you both run the risk of turning into Logarith. So many fucking rules. So complicated. Uh, speaking of weird rules, is there any consensus now on what a werewolf is supposed to be in the modern age? You know? Uh, well, mythicalcreaturesguide.com explains that uh, if you have a friend that acts strange, you're in a full moon, watch out for these signs of being. A werewolf, number one. If you happen to be in the same room as a suspect on the night of the full moon, watch what they're doing. If they start to pace and prowl about the room as the sun goes down, be careful, uh, be especially careful if they start to walk on all fours, which that makes sense. That's a good sign of being a werewolf, you know, if you're walking on all fours when the moon's full. Uh, I think you got to be, you know, uh, keep a close eye on a buddy, regardless if you believe in werewolves or not, if they start walking on all fours. that's That's, you know, you should be concerned unless it's part of some kind of kinky foreplay. Be concerned. Number two, werewolves know they are dangerous and they try to get family and friends away from them if they suspect, suspect they may transform soon. So if you know if the moon's coming out and they're getting all like, ah, I gotta go now, you guys gotta get out of here. They turn, you know, turn into a weird loner, maybe werewolf. And the hours before they change, werewolves gain acute hearing, animal strength, and a heightened sense of smell. Uh huh. Careful if your friend is suddenly animal strong, maybe a werewolf, or maybe taking anabolic steroids, or worst case. There may be a werewolf taking anabolic steroids. Uh, Number four, look at the fingernails. Uh, Werewolves have reddish almond-shaped nails that may become as hard as the claw of a wolf on their left thumb. That seems confusing. How how would the average person know exactly how hard a wolf's claw is compared to a a human fingernail? Uh, Five, werewolves have very broad hands. Also look at the third finger. If it is unusually long, they say, watch out. Uh, They say number six being a werewolf is exhausting, so they're they're pale and tired looking the day after a full moon. So, you know, uh, if you see after the full moon, your buddy's all pale and tired. They're either a werewolf or or hungover, one of those two things. Uh, Werewolves also very thirsty after a full moon. So again, werewolf or hungover. And uh, werewolves have long swinging strides like that of a prowling wolf. So in that case, you either have a werewolf if you see somebody doing that or you have a friend who walks like an asshole. Uh, nine, uh, little, this is a Russian tip. If you want to know if somebody's a werewolf, you look under their tongue and you see if it has bristles. Huh. Uh, that feels intrusive. I feel like Dennis would be reporting uh, werewolves if that was going on. Uh, I don't know how you're supposed to, you know, grab somebody's somebody's tongue and examine it without them getting very angry. Okay, a couple more thoughts on werewolves. But first, I so very much want to know the werewolf thoughts of the idiots of the Internet. <laughs> Of the internet. 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 I did a Google search for werewolves, and when a video came up titled, Do Werewolves Exist? Uploaded by all-time conspiracies, I knew before reading a single comment that I'd struck gold. Idiot gold. It's going to be gold in this thread. Mm-hmm. Great big nuggets of idiot gold. Oh, <laughs> laughter's going to be rich. Yep, little prospector came out. Told me that. User JCI1990 thinks that there are for sure werewolves posting... Yes, werewolves exist. Usually you are taught the power from a black magic practitioner and to be able to transform usually includes you having to kill somebody you love dearly to prove that you really are a monster. It's kind of like an initiation to see if the devil can trust you with such things. You usually have to kill somebody you really, really don't want to kill and other things, dot, dot, dot. Okay, Uh, pretty creepy. A lot of of talk about killing a family member. Too much talk about that. Uh, Go confess already. Uh, Okay there, buddy. I love, I love JC. I love, usually, I love the way they phrase these things. Usually, you got to kill a close family member. Not always, you know, um, in, in my experience, most werewolves have done that. But some have gotten bitten by another werewolf. Some have just kind of, you know, wrong place, wrong time. You can be too close in the pentagram circle, when the when the werewolf incantation, there was a lady named Amanda that I do believe that happened to her. Like, where the fuck is he getting any of his information from his from his asshole? He's pulling it all out. Uh, user mgtowf uh, or no mgtowfacts <laughs> goes full creepy. Uh, hopefully, uh, just just trolling. Hopefully, just trolling right here because they post in all caps. Guys, help! I am a nice guy that made a huge mistake. I beat up my pregnant wife yesterday and I've been hiding in the forest ever since last night. I just snapped. It all started six months ago when I lost my job and me and my wife had nowhere to go and we moved in my dad's home. And about three months ago, I came home early one day from my new job and I found my dad and wife having sex in the couch. Probably on the couch is what he meant. In the couch. That's even a weirder visual. And ever since they've been sleeping together, she is pregnant and I don't know if it's mine or my dad's. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yesterday, I beat her badly. I just snapped. I left her bloody. I don't know what to do. I fucked up my life. Please give me advice. I might kill myself today or let a cop do it. Please help. I really hope this is just some dumb kid trying to get a rise out of people and not actually somebody who just did what they just claimed. Uh, I wouldn't even bother adding this post here, but check out this reply. This is why uh, this is just ridiculous. J man 92701 replies with well, something I don't feel like is a joke. Uh, he replies saying, Just stay out of jail for a while. All the police have to have to go with is her story. I beat up my girlfriend when I was young. I went MIA for a couple weeks. You're only guilty if you're at the scene. Fuck your dad and fuck her. If you can get out the city or state and start over, obviously you got problems you need to deal with. Find yourself first, then start from the beginning. It's good that you are looking for advice. It shows you realize that you've done wrong. We all do mistakes. Learn from this. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous reply to me because like, like part, it's so weird uh, where part of it is like, like you're trying to give good advice. Like, like, Hey man, obviously you got problems you need to deal with, you know? And, uh, Hey, it's, it's good that you're looking for advice. That's a good start. You know, it shows you realize you've done some wrong, but then he, then he gives the most terrific advice, you know, just, Hey, you messed up. We all make mistakes. So here's what you do. Get the fuck out of there. Don't don't be accountable for your crimes. Get out of there. It's it's her word against yours, all right? You hide until it blows over. Look, I, I get it, man. I beat the shit out of my girlfriend, and I fucking totally got away with it. We all got to take you know, accountability for our mistakes. Like, what? Uh, I don't think J-Man's a troll. I think he's someone with a very odd moral compass, you know? You can't keep living like this, man. You got to be accountable for your actions. Now, if you excuse me, I got to go hide, hide, hide a body. I got really mad this morning. I got killed everybody of mine. But I, look, look, I didn't mean to. Not really, and, uh, and I, but I made sure to do it. When no one was looking. There's a, there's easy there's easy ways to get away with this stuff if you pay attention. But you need to look. We all have to take responsibility for what we're up to. We all gotta you know really take a hard look at ourselves, which I'm gonna do later after I form a new identity and hide from a horrible crime. Um, Louise Torres shares some uh, thoughts. Now we get back into the weird werewolf stuff. He posts. I'll argue in X Files perspective. As some animals, and this is his argument in favor of werewolves existing, he says, as some animals drastically undergo instantaneous physical changes when severe stress or shock is at hand, so what if the same is for some humans? They grow much greater amounts of hair, or it grows in length, thence, I don't know, is thence the word, I guess? Thence they become somewhat feral, as though their bodies released large strains of rabies. Ah, uh, what? You, you kind of sort of were making a coherent point until you correlated growing long hair with becoming feral. Then you really jumped the shark when you ended it with releasing large strains of rabies. And and what are you referring to in the animal room world? That's even close to this kind of transformation. I like it when like this guy probably he like people, just, they just hear vague notions of shit. They never look into it. And then they reference those vague notions while making preposterous claims and act as if they're saying something intelligent. And it's gibberish. Hey, you get, you get what I'm driving at, guys? Yeah, look, look you, you know, you know how sometimes animals will get stressed? Remember this from science class? Remember how sometimes animals will get stressed and, and release a large amount of rabies and then become a different animal? You know? You remember what I'm talking You know what I'm talking about. It's like that. It's kind of like, it's like that thing that I just referenced as if it were a thing, which is not a thing. I mean, right, guys? Okay. Uh, one more. Belchino 15 made me laugh. <laughs> By posting this. Maybe this is funny to me, but it really made me laugh last night. Saying, guys, just because some people kill and eat others doesn't mean they're werewolves, they're psychopaths. Thanks for clearing that up, Belchino. Thanks, the wonderful. Guys, guys, guys. Just because some people howl and have fangs and eat people, it doesn't mean they're werewolves. They're just psychopaths, okay? Duh. Relax, everybody. Dr. Belchino's here. PhD in psychopaths diagnostics. Dr. Belchino on the case. What do we have here? Lots of blood, partially eaten body, Uh-huh. claw marks. Okay, let me stop you right now. I can see where this investigation is heading. I've, I've been through this crime before. I know where you're going, and you are wrong. This is not the work of a werewolf. What we have here on our hands is a psychopath. Dr. Bill Chino, psychopath catcher, coming to Wendy's. Wendy, God dang it, I fucking... Coming to Wednesday's on NBC this fall. Ah, I really wanted to get that Dr. Belchino coming to win. And, and sometimes you mess up. Sometimes I guess I'm the idiot of the internet. Idiots of the internet. 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 All right. Last little interesting uh, bit of werewolf uh, tidbittery. That's not a word, but I like it. Uh, let's talk about some people do sincerely believe they are werewolves, like 100% convinced. It's a real thing, and it's called clinical lycanthropy. Clinical lycanthropy is a mental disorder in which the patient believes that he or she is a wolf or some other non-human animal. Uh, probably stimulated by the once widespread superstition that uh, lycanthropy is a supernatural condition, in which you know, you know, people actually assume in the physical form of werewolves or other animals, the delusion has been most likely to occur among people who believe in reincarnation, uh, the transmigration of souls. Usually a person is deemed to take the form of the most dangerous beast of prey in their region, You know, like the wolf or bear in Europe and northern Asia, hyena or leopard in Africa, the tiger in India, China, Japan, elsewhere in Asia. Other animals are mentioned, you know. Uh, but the superstition and psychiatric disorder are linked with belief in animal guardian spirits, vampires, witches, werewolves, folklore, fairy tales, legends of many nations and people show evidence of like uh, lycanthropic belief. And I guess this possibly could explain some medieval confessions. You know, I guess there's a chance that some of those people really did believe they were werewolves. Uh, It also helps explain some of the variety of other were-creatures around the world as well. Uh, It seems to be a very rare disorder, though. Uh, Intrigued by treating a patient who thought he was a werewolf, Dr. Uh, Jan Dirk Blom, assistant professor of uh, uh, psychiatry at the University of uh, Groningen, the Netherlands, mined the archives of psychiatry to find out how just common the condition is, uh, found that since 1850, there's only been 56 original case descriptions of people who believed they were metamorphosing into an animal. Among them, 13 reports met the criteria for clinical lycanthropy. Uh, The the adjective clinical used to emphasize that the condition doesn't mean actual lycanthropy. (laughs) The ability to metamorphose uh, into a wolf, the doctor said. Well, I feel like that goes without saying. Uh, We'd like to make a distinction. This is clinical lycanthropy. This is when people think they are animals, not uh, lycanthropy, you know, when people really do this stuff. Uh, The remaining cases, variants of the condition and uh, in, in the March issue of the Journal History of Psychiatry, he said, "I expected to find more cases because in textbooks the condition is mentioned quite often in passing." Um, yeah, uh, such such a low number of clinical lycanthropy cases reported in over 150 years suggests it's very very rare. Uh, also, random trivia: uh, hyper hyper-trichosis is is uh, known also as werewolf syndrome. And this is a term used for the growth of hair on any part of the body in excess of the amount usually present in persons of the same age, race, sex, including androgen-induced hair growth. It's generalized and circumscribed forms. Hypertrichosis may either be an isolated finding or associated with other abnormalities. And this is that thing I believe that uh, like uh, they would have these, you know, sideshow things back in like the early uh, 20th century and they'd have like the wolf boy. And it was somebody suffering from that condition that just had a bunch of extra hair on their face. So – Final thoughts are like vampires. The werewolf has been around in, in some form for a few thousand years. Uh, it seems to the, 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 lore around, it seems to be a little bit more uh, kind of widespread maybe than, than vampires. I guess the Strigoi, you know, did, did show up in a variety of ancient cultures, but, but the, but the wolf kind of man does seem to be a little bit more widespread uh, than, than the kind of the vampire folklore it goes all the way back to ancient Greece. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's obviously no written record of how many people were, were killed in the days before humankind had written language, but I have to think it was probably super common to be killed by wolves, you know, uh, before we became really good at hunting. I, I bet, you know, I bet wolves fucked up humans all the time. I bet at one point they, they were higher than us on the food chain. So I think it does make sense that we have this deep rooted fear of them in many cultures and any kind of culture that encountered wolves on a regular basis. know, an ancient man, you know, hunted in packs similar to how wolves hunt. Uh, we domesticated the occasional wolf starting thousands of years ago. You know, think about that phrase, man's best friend, but without the dog sex stuff I mentioned earlier. Uh, You know, the history of man and dog has been very intertwined since the beginning of human civilization. It would make sense that we have a lot of folklore surrounding them. Uh, Makes sense that we'd involve the wolf frequently in our ancient tales. You know, it was top of mind. We're always worried about him. I was surprised by the werewolf hunts where supposed wolves were burned at the stake or executed in other ways. Not sure that's why that was more surprising to me than, than the witch trials, but I didn't realize there was a lot of werewolf trials as well. Uh, Now I guess I need to go uh, find a good werewolf movie to watch. All all this talk's got me pumped up about the wolf people. And now let's go over what we've learned uh, today about werewolves once more in today's Top 5 Takeaways. Time suck. Top 5 Takeaways Number one, the story of the werewolf goes back to at least 1550 BCE when King Lycaon of Arcadia uh, served human flesh to the god Zeus and was transformed into a wolf as punishment. And we've been talking about wolf people now for well over 3,000 years. Number two, historically, the French seem more obsessed with werewolves than most. They were burning werewolves at the stake left and right in the 16th century. Number three, never confess to having a wolf belt if you're being tortured to confess that you are a werewolf. It did not work out well for Peter Stump. Uh, He got about the most painful death I can think of for admitting that. Number four, If you don't want to end up as a werewolf, don't plant taters on Sunday. You know, if you're a French Canadian, apparently that's one of the very weird ways you can end up as a werewolf. Number five, new info. This is terrifying. On July 23rd, just as last July 23rd, 2018, 18-year-old Australian woman, Jamie Dalagai, murdered a 25-year-old man she went on a date with because uh, she thought that she was a werewolf. She wolfed out on him. Yeah, police allege that uh, Guy killed uh, Malin Rathod at her home in the town of Sunbury, northwest of Melbourne, after they arranged uh, to have a date through a dating app to meet there on the evening of July 23rd. The 25-year-old man was critically injured, taken to the hospital about 9 p.m., where he died overnight. Police have not released details regarding what injuries he suffered. People who know Jamie uh, apparently were not surprised, saying that she uh, has been obviously mentally ill for a while. They wonder why she was unsupervised and that she had thought she had been a werewolf uh, for, for years now, occasionally biting and snarling. So werewolves may not be real, but people who think they are werewolves are real. And isn't that just as scary? They can kill you just the same. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Mm, werewolves sucked. Ow! I'm sure the people in the uh, office love that. <laughs> today they gotta be like what in the fuck is going on over there uh, that was a fun detour from a more traditional narrative I, I find folklore fascinating I hope you hope you enjoyed it as much as I did big thanks to the Time Suck team once again the high priestess of the Suck Harmony Bella Camp Suck Guardian Jesse Dobner how, how about that one instead of Paladin of Punctuation I'll find out how Jesse likes it and, and of course thanks to the Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley uh, thanks also to Time Suck high priest Alex Dugan the Bit Elixir team who I'll be able to work more closely with now Danger Brain Eric Radiker, Queen of the Suck, Lindsay Cummins. Special thanks to OG Bojangles Research Department intern Heather Knowledge Ninja Rylander for helping shape this suck. Uh, and then we're going to keep it weird on Monday. Uh, we dig into Area 51. We haven't had enough UFO-related sucks, right? Uh, and with this one, man, uh, I love the setting. I don't know if you've ever driven through, like, rural Nevada, like, especially, like, an off-the-freeway drive. I have a couple times. Creepy. Mile after mile after mile of just nothing, just tumbleweeds, hills in the distance, just that desert, not a town, not a gas station in sight. It's so barren. And, and in the middle of this barren Nevada desert lies Area 51, you know, uh, out there, there's a, there's a dusty, unmarked road that'll lead you to the front gate. It's protected by little, you know, just a little chain link fence, little boom gates, Uh, A couple trespassing signs, you know, one would think that America's much mythicized top secret military base would be under closer guard, but make no mistake. If you try and go there, they are watching beyond the gate. Cameras are looking at every angle on the distant hilltop. There's a white pickup truck with a tinted windshield peering down on everything below. Locals say the base knows every desert tortoise and jackrabbit that hops that fence. Others claim that there are embedded sensors in the approaching road. So what's going on out there? Something secret is going on. You know, is it a weapons project? Has it been a series of weapons projects over the years? Is it something UFO related? Something in, uh, else we haven't thought of? You know, we're, we're going to look into it. We're going to look into it hard on Monday. I'll be recording from Tampa. This weekend, I'm going to be holed up in a hotel room talking about Area 51, like a, like some kind of Hunter S. Thompson style weirdo. Uh, I'm into it. The other guests staying around me may not be into it. And, uh, and I'm also into hearing from you guys. So uh, let's do that. I want to see what you've shared uh, this past week with me on today's Time Sucker Updates. Updates? Get your Time Sucker Updates. Yeah, starting off with the shadow person update, one of my favorite episodes still. Uh, let's get spooked. Uh, time Sucker Eric Stauffer says, Hey Dan, I've been a huge fan of your stand-up since the beginning and have been a loyal sucker since day one. I wanted to share an experience I had with a shadow person. A few weeks ago, I had experienced sleep paralysis, felt pressure on my chest. I awoke to find—oh, this is so creepy—I awoke to find a pale-skinned lady with a ponytail and jean skirt standing by my bed (laughs) staring at me. Her eyes were orangish-red, and she had no mouth. She looked me in the eyes, shrugged, and walked away seemingly disinterested in me. Has anyone else had this happen? like that kind that uh, type of uh, person. Anyway, I love the show. Look forward to seeing you in Grand Rapids again. Your faithful sucker, Eric. Ugh. Well, thank you, Eric, for sending that in. Uh, I am curious to see if anybody else has seen that particular entity. That's f- the no-mouth thing, man. The orange-red eyes. Ugh. That that would scare the shit out of me to see such a specific kind of a uh, character there. Okay. Now a little gun terminology update from uh Cody uh Pruyer. I think maybe is how you say it. these, these are the last names. You can never tell. Proulx, Proulx, Proulx. I love this podcast. I share this suck as much as I can, uh, and I love that you can correct yourself. Uh, there's been a couple minor mistakes when talking about guns and ammo that carry, and I think some of these were addressed a long time ago. But it's been a while, so I want to refresh people's memories and my own. Uh, Cody says a bullet is generally uh, the lead projectile or the lead projectile. A cartridge. Um, I, th- I think I think it's meant a bullet is the generally. Le- oh yeah, is the generally lead projectile a cartridge? For pistols and rifles, a primer is what gets hit when the trigger is pulled and ignited, uh, you know, ignites the gunpowder. A round is all those things put together. Point being, magazines do not hold bullets. They hold rounds. Thank you for all the great content. Your loyal space lizard. Ah, space lizard. Cody Puyer. I hope I got your name right, buddy. Um, Thank you. Now we got a little shout out. Uh, You know, this is from Colton Springer. Wrote in saying, Dear Master Weensucker, up until a couple months ago, I thought podcasts were for old, boring people who listened to books on tape while working in their garden. I was wrong. Uh, one of my good friends named Lane got me hooked on your podcast, and at first I was skeptical. But after I heard your Ed Gein impersonation, which is undi- undeniably the greatest thing in the world. I forgot which, uh, what voice I did. I probably did some creepy voice. Uh, I've been hooked. We both love what you do and love listening to you instead of working. Yeah, working. Wait. Uh, Lane is leaving this Sunday for State Trooper School and it would mean the world to me if you could give some good thoughts his way before he's gone for 31 weeks. Damn. Thank you, Reverend Suckmaster, for sucking 100-plus hours of my time, Colton. Well, you know what, Lane? Yeah, man, shout-out to you, buddy. Uh, thanks for going out there and becoming a trooper, and uh, I look forward to you keeping us safe. Uh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate what you do. Uh, got a got a got uh, another quick little shout-out here. That uh, came from Ricky Bryant, saying, Hear this, Master of Time Sucking Motherfucker, I know you love joking about exclamation points and the guys from Small Town Murder. I am now officially a goddamn space and I fucking love it. First of all, I need to correct you on an Oklahoma town name, you Bill Cosby, Fat Albert, Mushmouth, Son of a Bitch. In the mob market times, look, like you struggle with the town of uh, uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. It's pronounced Musk as in men's cologne, O as in the noise you make during an orgasm, and G, uh, Musk-O-G, as in the sound you make after saying the Irish name McGee, O. Without the mic, oh, gee. Okay, so Musk, Musk Also, goddamn, it, I love you so fucking much. But I got, if I got to email you each week, I will. Just want uh, to give a shout out to my brother Billy and his new fiance Brooke. Fiance, I don't know what I just said there. Also, Time Suckers on their recent engagement. Damn it, I wouldn't be a spaces without him. Also, my daughter Zoe turns two in August, and I believe, uh, and believe it or not, she fucking loves Time Suck. She can barely talk, but smiles and laughs so much every time I play Time Suck when we're in the car. Yeah. Fucking keep on sucking, you amazing prophet of Nimrod. Ah, uh, well, man, uh, congrats to uh to your brother Billy and to Brooke on the recent engagement and uh to to your little Zoe. Happy birthday, Zoe, if you're listening. Uh next, a funny request from an Icelandic sucker uh who wrote in saying, Hi, just listened to the Bielski Brothers episode and I and I agree with Velour. Please come to Iceland. I think that this is referring to an, an, an a Time Sucker update in that episode. I work in tourism and can tell you about all uh, tell you about all the cool stuff. Oh man, uh, love the podcast. Love spreading the suck. Yes, uh, been practicing my wrestling moves, <laughs> but I'm mainly writing in to see if you can pronounce my last name. Best regards. Oh, you guys, this name, first and last name. Uh, I, I appreciate you being a fan, Matilda, Matilda. Matilda, I think, is your first name. And your last name is a train wreck. Matilda Trainwreck. Uh, no, your last name is Hjartar. Hjartar. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. How is this a real word? Hjartaratir. Hjartaratir. Y- Matilda Hjartaratir. That's my best shot. Okay? It helps if I do it in the sing songies. Matilda Hjartaratir. He got the the wheels, the ice sails, free from Iceland. Um. I don't know where that came from. Uh, Now you're probably not going to listen anymore. But like, you fucking, you you took it too far with the weird elf thing. Why do you have to go there? Uh, Finally, a heartwarming, hilarious, and informative Panhurst update. This last one for today from Rexy Frami. She wrote insane. And I, oh yeah, and I love the way earlier is. I love that people are listening to Iceland. That makes me so happy. I'm fascinated with that little country. Uh, Hey, master sucker. I'm a director with Minnesota's largest social service nonprofit organization. Oh, hell yeah. That's impressive. Um, My role is to oversee the services and supports for adults with disabilities. Uh, living in four-person group homes. I've worked in this field for just over, or no, I'm sorry, just short of 10 years, starting as a direct support professional, providing care and support in group homes. Uh, After listening to the Pennhurst episode, as well as the update from our fellow time sucker at the end of the Spartacus suck, I was really excited to hear some talk about current services for people with disabilities, particularly the term person-centered care. I'd like to share with you some elaboration on how powerful that term really is. Person-centered care as it pertains to support of adults with disabilities, is defined as a model of support that seeks to understand what is important for a person, as well as what is important to a person, and provide services that that balance the two. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's what to understand what is important for a person, as well as what is important to a person, and balance those two. Uh, what's important for a person are those things that we have historically focused on, things that keep a person healthy and safe. Uh, what is important to a person, however, um, can only be learned by getting to know the person. It's what humanizes us, gives our lives meaning. Those things, people that make us happy, our routines, our favorite places, the way we like to be treated by others, those little things in life that while we don't need them to live, we wouldn't be ourselves if we didn't have or do them. Uh, uh, it is this focus on what is important to a person that has driven major innovations in the way we view and support people with disabilities. Even in my short time in the field, I have seen a significant shift in the way we look at both the capability of adults with disabilities to take ownership of their own needs, as well as the way we look at ourselves as caregivers. I have seen the written care plans that are used to train staff on a person's needs shift from language around what is wrong with this person, what can't they do, how do we keep the person and people around them safe, and what do we do on their behalf to... What about this person's disabilities, mental illness, poses risk to their health, safety, and quality of life? How well do they understand these risks? What can they do to support themselves? Where do they need our help? Do they want our help? And if so, are we doing these things on their behalf, teaching them skills they need, or helping them find appropriate adaptations to do it on their own? This allows for support provided where, for example, rather than taking someone to the doctor and having the doctor talk to the caregiver about the person in front of them, the caregiver instead goes to the doctor and supports the doctor in communicating with the person directly about their care. We insist that the doctor is patient with the person's speech delay, ask the person's permission to chime in to explain concerns. Furthermore, we take a deeper look into the person's right to make choices in their lives on everything from where they live, with whom they associate. uh, associate. We eliminated visitor visits and just let people have their friends over, like anyone else, to their own goals and dreams. Uh, I no longer directly supervise the staff who work in the homes I oversee, but I enjoy joining in on their training to coach them on person centered care. I teach people to resist the knee jerk impulse to protect people with developmental disabilities from the world by teaching the five tenets of empowerment. This rule says when faced with the decision on whether or not to support someone in doing something they would like to do, a, uh, a DSP should ask themselves is it legal? Is it moral or ethical by that person's standards? Is it affordable? Is there anything in that person's care plan that says they can not do this? If so, it can, uh, is there a way to make an adaptation? Does it support your mission as a DSP to ensure people live a life with dignity and hope? If the answer to those questions is yes, then we have a duty to allow that person the dignity of risk. This is the same dignity we afford our children when we allow them to ride a bike without training wheels. Yes, they can hurt themselves, but that shouldn't stop them from experiencing life. So we put protective gear on them and have a first aid kit handy. Likewise, if an adult in your care approaches you cash in hand and says they would like to go to a bar and have a beer, we assess that they can get drunk and hurt themselves or perhaps the alcohol can conflict with their medications. So we call the pharmacy to see if we can delay or miss that med just as once and go with them as their designated driver. That's awesome. The real example that I use in every training is of a man in my care with a traumatic brain injury. This is such a great story. Uh, thank you for sending this in. This this story right here. His short-term memory was damaged to where he does not recall interactions after 10 minutes. For his birthday, I instructed the staff to ask him what he wanted to do, what he wanted to eat, and the flavor and theme he wanted on his cake. They went off to ask him, <laughs> then returned to my office giggling. He told them that he wanted to go horseback riding for his birthday. Okay, fine. He wanted pizza for dinner. Sweet. He wanted a chocolate cake. Okay, when asked what he wanted his cake, <laughs> when asked what he wanted his cake to look like, he said, quote, I want a chick with huge tits. <laughs> uh, we all had a good laugh. Then one of the staff said his mom would never let us do that. His mom was his guardian. She was a very reserved, religious woman. They agreed to wait <laughs> ten minutes, ask him again. Okay, yeah, because the 10 minute memory, and pray he'd give a different answer. He said, Hang on a second. Is it legal for a man to have a <laughs> Is it legal for a man to have a cake with big tits on it for his 38th birthday? Uh, is it moral by his standards not his mom's? He he asked for it with a straight face, didn't he? Uh, we are going to buy or make him a cake anyway. Can we afford to put, to put tits on it? Is there anything in his care plan or medical chart that says it's not safe to, for him to eat a chocolate titty? <laughs> It's their dignity in him getting the cake he asked for, even if he won't remember asking for it. The only additional question we should have then uh, asked is, will our company credit card work at an erotic bakery or kink shop to get a pan? (laughs) Turns out a card wouldn't work at Sex World, so I had to buy the boob cake pan out of pocket and submit a reimbursement request. Thanks to this guy's short-term memory loss, we got to surprise him with that cake, so... (laughs) We got to surprise him with that cake several times on his birthday. Every time he walked into the kitchen, he'd say, uh, what are you guys doing? Uh, and then we'd say, we're making a cake for your birthday. And he'd be like, really? Wow. Uh, and he'd say, uh, why is a cake shaped like that? And then we'd say, we're going to put boobs on it for your birthday. And then he'd say, oh, my God, that is awesome. Uh, why did, and Then he'd say, why does the cake have tits? And they'd say, just for you. Really? After dinner with his housemates, we sang happy birthday, presented him with his finished cake. He pulled the cake in close to him, (laughs) looked it over for a moment, then looked up at his uh, with tears in his eyes. You made me a boob cake. I like this boob cake. I asked for this cake, but I don't remember asking for it. You remembered though, you made this for me. Thank you. Thank you. This moment would not have been an option even 10, 15 years ago. This is the beauty of person-centered care. Uh, I'd love to send you a picture of the cake we made. We're not professionals, but we did it. Please send one into Bojangles at timeslikepodcast.com. Please, please send it in. Uh, I have many more examples, but this message has gone long enough. You are welcome to share the story in your podcast. If you do, please also share that the tragedy of this new phase of support for adults with disabilities is a massive staffing crisis across the country. Last year, Minnesota Department, uh, or DHS, Department uh, of Health Services, stated that if every company providing services to adults with disabilities... Hired every person currently looking for a position, we would still be at a thirty percent staffing shortage across the state. I believe there are plenty of people who have the heart to do this kind of work, which admittedly is not always easy. But not enough people even know this is a job that you can do. The pay rate for the direct support professionals is not always great. For many, it's a second job. However, the skills you learn, the relationships you build, the stories you get, oh, chocolate titty cake, and the impact you make in the lives of others is invaluable. Anyone interested in joining in uh any career in the field of healthcare, social work or field that re- requires providing support to others in a personal way should consider a job as a direct support professional DSP. I pray you read this message. Well, prayers are answered. Nimrod heard you. Keep on sucking, brother. Hail Nimrod. Rexy uh from it. Uh, oh oh, wait. Rexy Fami. Like nah. Oh, thanks for the pronunciation guide at the end there. Rexy Fami. Uh, thanks. Thanks as always. Oh man. For you, wonderful updates. That was such a beautiful story. Uh, love you. meat sacks. right into the, the show. You're the best. Next time suckers. I needed that. We all did. That's all until Monday. And then it's area 51 time. Uh, until then, if you think you're a werewolf, it's time you see a psychiatrist and try to convince him, uh, that you are a werewolf. And if you can't time for your medicine. Uh, if if you are for sure though a werewolf, stay inside. August twenty sixth, that's the next full moon, and uh, and even if you do wolf out, you be sure to keep on sucking.